Welcome to this refresh episode of MicroConf On Air. As a reminder, these refresh episodes are where we look back at some of the best MicroConf main stage talks of all time, and we put the audio in here with a little intro for context. And this week, we're going to hear a talk from Ben Ornstein, who many of you may know as the co-host of the Art of Product podcast. This talk is called Prescriptions and Descriptions, Blind Spots of the Developer Entrepreneur. And the description of this talk is that Ben has a theory. Developers who create digital products or SaaS apps tend to screw up in predictable ways. They are particularly likely to underinvest in marketing and sales and will tend to over-automate. Worst of all, they almost always charge too little. After years of making these mistakes himself, Ben will share some hard-won tips for avoiding them. Sorry in advance, but the answer is rarely write more code. And this talk is part of one of our most popular playlists called Building Your First SaaS Company. And that starts with Jason Cohen's Designing the Ideal Bootstrap Business Talk, which you heard on this feed just a couple months ago. Um, And it has this talk, and there'll be several others that you'll hear in the coming weeks if you're subscribed. Obviously, if you're not subscribed to this MicroConf on-air podcast feed, you should go do that because we're going to be rolling out several more amazing MicroConf talks uh, for many of the years, I, I realize this is from 2017, but we're going to have talks coming all the way back from uh, 2012 and into 2019 in case you missed those. So let's dive into this talk from Ben Orenstein. Hello. How's everybody doing? I am pumped to be on the stage. For real. This was a goal of mine for a while, and it's happening right now. So if I'm smiling, it's because I'm totally excited about it. But first, I need to make sure that we're all sort of a little bit on the same page. So if you could actually take a second, close your laptops, please, for one moment. Let's all take a nice deep breath together and hold it. So everyone breathe out. And all the way in. And out. Let's do one more. All the air out. And in. And out. All right, now I just need to make sure that I have you for real. So on three, could you please all give one clap? Ready? One, two, three. (laughs) So I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, we're all going to clap, and it's going to happen at the exact same time. It's going to sound like one person. Ready? One. (laughs) Was that on purpose? Ready? One, two, three. That's better. You can still do better than that, though. Ready? One, two, three. Excellent. This time, snap on three. One, two, three. <laughs> Not the best at following instructions so far, I got to say. And like, this is a lot of instructions in this talk, so let's, let's get this right. Last time. Uh, snap on three. Ready? One, two, three. All right. Last time we're going to do this. This time, if you are capable, please crack your knuckles on three. Yeah. It's going to be weird. Ready? One, two, three. That was a little grosser than I thought it would be, actually. So uh, let's go. Let's do this thing. So a lot of speakers begin to talk by telling you about themselves. I'm going to tell you about you. So I ended up throwing away the first couple versions of this talk because I realized I wrote it in a vacuum. And I didn't know who was going to be showing up at this conference. We've never had a MicroConf starter before. I wasn't sure who was going to show up. And so I decided that I would do a little customer development and research. And I sent out a survey. 
And about half of you filled it out. I got about 50 responses, and so I think it's a pretty representative sample. And I'm going to show you uh, the most important thing I learned. I'm going to share a couple details throughout the talk of what I've learned from that. But I think the most important and most relevant is this graph right here. This is how much money you're currently earning from some sort of digital product, like a plugin or a SaaS or a screencast or an ebook. And you'll notice the biggest uh, group is at $0 per month currently. Yeah. <laughs> There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. Almost everyone's in that group, if you consider the, the globe in particular. Uh, the next group is uh, $1 to $999 a month. Um, so we have about half of you in the $0 a month group. Uh, we have about 25% in the next one, under 1,000 a month, and it falls off pretty fast from there. And so when I saw this, I realized, okay, we've got about a 50-50 split in this audience. Half of you have started, and half of you haven't. And I thought this presented an interesting challenge as a speaker. I've never talked to an audience that was kind of divided right down the middle. And the reality is I have very different advice for those two groups. And so here's the plan. If you haven't started, I'm going to be giving you prescriptive advice. I'm going to be laying out a process that goes one, two, three, four, five, because you're getting going. And in the beginning, I think it's really useful to have detailed prescriptive steps. Consider how you would learn to cook, for example. In the beginning, you want a recipe, something that expels out every detail, and you should follow it really closely. As you get experience, you can pick and choose ingredients and combine them into interesting things. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with prescriptive advice for those of you that have not begun. And then I'm going to uh, throw out a whole bunch of uh, tactics that have worked for me. I'm going to show you my greatest hits over the years. So here's your pay if you pay attention. Clear process or best tactics. And I'm going to start with how I started. That's interesting. That's, that text wrapped down. My, my aspect ratio has changed. Who knows what's going to happen in this now? <laughs> Fascinating. OK. So here's how I started. Uh, I was a programmer six years, mm, seven years ago. I'm a professional developer. I'm writing code for money, and I'm using a text editor called Vim. Yeah. I'm with my people. I knew it. I knew it. So Vim, it, it doesn't matter what Vim is if you don't know what it is. It's just a text editor. It's a tool that programmers use. It helps you write code faster. And that's what I loved about it, is that it made me more efficient. But the thing about Vim is that it's hard to learn. It's got a bit of a learning curve, and it's really, really deep. You can just keep learning more and more things about it. But I was fascinated by it. And every time I kept investing in it, I got better at writing code faster. And so I kept learning, and I started to become a Vim uh, aficionado, I guess. And I started helping my coworkers write better, uh, use Vim better as well. I would be pairing pair programming with them, and I'd be like, you know, you can use this thing. And they're like, oh, cool. And after a little while, I became the Vim guy. And they started coming to me for advice. And I love that, because I love teaching. That's why I'm here right now. Like, teaching is, is my jam. And so, after I becoming the Vim guy at work, I was like, how else can I teach this? Where can I teach a little bit more? And so I uh, emailed the organizer of the Boston Ruby Group, volunteer meetup uh, for Ruby programmers, and I said, hey, can I give an eight-minute lightning talk just teaching the basics of Vim? And he said, yeah. And so I did that, and it went really well. And I was like, that's interesting. And so I decided at that point to apply to give my very first conference talk ever. And uh, my theory was, uh, maybe I can give a 40-minute talk about Vim? Maybe. I was a little, I'll be honest, I was a little bit worried. I was like, can I get anyone to show up to a 40-minute talk about Vim? Like, that's not everyone's cup of tea, to put it lightly. And I was also a little concerned, like, can I hold attention for 40 minutes? Because attention is important to me. <laughs> so 
uh, I applied, and I got accepted, and I gave the talk. And this is me doing it. Uh, and you can see in this photo two things. One, there are people. So that worked. And also, I'm smiling. And I'm smiling because it's working. Like, people are paying attention. They seem to be getting value from this. And so I said, OK. People are willing to pay big bucks to come watch me talk about Vim at a conference. Maybe they'd be willing to pay small bucks to watch me talk about Vim in a screencast. Maybe I can distill down what I've been teaching and sell it as a product. And so I did it. I bought a screencast about making screencasts, which of course exists. I bought a microphone and a pop filter, and I started going to work on the weekends because it was the quietest place I had access to, and I had a Mac in it, and I could use that software. And I spent a bunch of weekends in a row working on the screencast, made it, and released it. I put it up on a Shopify for $9. It was about a 35-minute screencast. And something interesting had happened along the way while I was becoming the Vim guy was that people started following me on Twitter and they wanted more Vim knowledge. I had developed a reputation among these folks and also among the people at the Boston Ruby group. And so when I launched, I sent an email to the Boston Ruby group and said, hey, you may have seen my Vim talks. Uh, I have a product now. And five minutes later, I got an email that changed my life. And this is it. This is uh, the first time in my life that someone, a stranger on the internet, paid me money for something I had created. And when I saw this email, I had like a physical reaction. Like my heart started pounding. Uh, I was having like, wasn't quite having trouble breathing, but I was just like, it, this adrenaline blast went through me. It was like a happy panic attack. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so everything changed, a, a lot of things changed for me that day. It changed my relationship to money. It changed my relationship to time and work and effort and creation. And so my goal for those of you that haven't started is to have this experience, is to get this first email, because that first email, at least for me, was transformative. And my guess is that for some of you, it's going to be transformative too. So the screencast did well. It went on to actually sell maybe $10,000 worth of, uh, of those screencasts over time. It kept just sort of trickling in money, and I found ways to repurpose it. Uh, but eventually, it got a little bit long in the tooth, a little bit old. And so I uh, sort of, re quote unquote, retired it. But we retired it to uh, YouTube. So it's actually freely available on YouTube right now. You can check it out. Not right now, please. But you can, if you want to see the very first thing I ever made, uh, you can. It's still out there. So whew, my mission is to give you, those of you that haven't started that experience. So here is what I would do if, if I started over. I have an audience now that affects how I launch things and what I do, but I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and imagine you have no audience and start from scratch. And it turns out that process that I took was kind of mostly right by accident. I kind of accidentally worked my way into a good position. But there are some things I would change today to improve it even further. So if I were starting over, the first thing I would do is teach. So what do you teach? What should you teach? What should your topic be? Here's a tip, a couple prompts. Uh, what is something that the, you, from six months ago, would have found valuable? Like, what, have saved you, what would have saved you some time and some agony? Especially, it's a, this is a great topic, if it would have saved you that time and agony at work. That's a really good one. Another question is, uh, what are people already asking you about? That's a good sign for two reasons. One, because people already view you as an authority, and two, you have expertise in that thing. And the final thing, is what is something that you're really into that really captures your attention and you're willing to put work into that bores other people? And I really like this one. So I was having breakfast yesterday uh, with uh, one of the attendees here, Jason, and we were trying to come up with like a first info product type idea for him. 
and we had kind of stalled. And then the conversation moved on, and at one point he tells me, he's like, yeah, I always end up spending so much time doing billing and expense reporting when I'm freelancing because I just love that stuff. And I was like, you love that stuff? He's like, oh yeah, man, I just like love making systems and making like beautiful and like thinking about how to do it. And I was like, dude, that is your first product. It's billing and expense reporting for freelancers that hate billing and expense reporting, right? Like people distilling a topic down is great. That makes it, that's a really good topic. So you've got your topic in hand, how do you teach it? Well, I would begin small, intimate, in-person, and free. So a nice way to get going is to go to your coworkers and say, hey, I want to do a lunch and learn. Let's all grab lunch on Friday, uh, bring it back to the conference room, and I'm going to give you an eight-minute talk on whatever, whatever your topic is. Uh, I'm going to start using Docker as an example. It's just a programmer technology. It's just a placeholder. Don't worry if you don't know what it does. It doesn't matter. But I want to give a talk on, on Docker. Every, basically, everyone will say yes to that. If you're like, hey, Ben, I want to give an eight-minute talk about basket weaving, I'd be like, yeah, cool, I'm going. Why not? So lunch and learn is a great option. Another option uh, is uh, lightning talks. So Con uh, meetup organizers are constantly looking for speakers. It's one of these things where it's really hard to constantly keep a flow of speakers at your meetup. And so if you offer to give a lightning talk, they'll almost always say yes, especially because it's low risk. Right? Like a lightning talk is only a handful of minutes long. It's hard to be super bad. Uh, and then the last option, if you can't find people in person, like even just a Google Hangout. You know, pitch people on a 60-minute Google Hangout where you're going to teach the basics of Docker. And you're going to get three wins in this phase. And by the way, I think you should do those multiple times. Don't just like, do one. Like, try to be teaching a handful of times, maybe three or four times. But you're going to get three uh, major wins. The first is that you're building an audience, and you're building authority. Right? Like, people are starting to learn to trust you on this topic. And when you do, by the way, this is a mistake I made, make sure you get a way to stay in touch with them. Like, get their email. You want to be able to talk to these people later. You want to be able to tell them when you actually have a product. That's one big win. Uh, the next is that you are going to uh, get practice teaching. Uh, it's a bit tough to teach. Teaching takes time. It takes practice like any other skill. So by running these things and getting feedback, uh, you're going to learn how your teaching will naturally improve. And the final thing is you can do crazy amounts of customer research on these people. Yes, they haven't paid you yet. They may not look exactly like your eventual customer, but it's a really perfect testing and proving ground. Like, ask them who they are, where do they work, what got them excited about this thing. Afterwards, what was the best thing they learned? Like, what things in your pitch resonated with them? What problems did they have? Like, you're getting this crazy amount of, like, free information from these people, so, so make use of that. So that's phase one. Here's phase two. I'm going to pre-sell an info product. So, by the way, you'll notice I'm not saying, like, start SaaS or start selling code or things like that. Uh, I think those are a little harder. I think a first thing, ebook is, like, a perfect first effort. Um, and remember that your goal here, one copy to one stranger. Don't think about replacing your income. Just think about getting that first experience. That's all you need to focus on for this first phase. Everything else comes later. Don't worry about that. And by the way, small is beautiful. So a lot of people think, if I'm going to write an ebook, I should write a 198-page ebook. Has anyone bought a long ebook and read like 12% of it? Raise your hand if you have. Yeah, exactly. Happens all the time. Has anyone bought an ebook and never read it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the dirty secret of info products. Um, so don't write an enormous ebook because A, people won't read it even if you did, and then B, some, some people won't even open it no matter what. Um, so what you should do instead is start something small. Remember that example before uh, about Docker? Here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple titles that will hopefully sort of inspire you a little bit. 
here I think it would be great titles for your first ebook. A Docker Crash Course. Surviving your first week with Docker. Docker for total beginners. Docker distilled. Docker for non-programmers. What I wish I'd known about Docker when I started. Why Docker sucks and what you should use instead. All perfect first efforts. I mean, like, I think if you made a 40-page thing, plenty. That's great. All right, so you've got your topic. You've done your teaching. You've got your topic. This is the next thing you need. You need a place to go. So this is a mistake I made early on, which was I built my first product over a series of weekends that had time in between them. And the reality is, I almost stopped. I, because I didn't have any momentum, I almost gave up on making that screencast. And if I'd given up on making that screencast, I wouldn't have gotten that first email, and I wouldn't be here today. And that'd be a total bummer, because I'm really excited to be here today. So uh, what I recommend is you get an Airbnb. And why an Airbnb and not a hotel? Great question. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, Airbnb instead of a hotel, because uh, an Airbnb has a kitchen. And what I think you should do is at the beginning of your trip, you should go to the grocery store, and you should buy enough food to last the whole time. And I think you should do about four to five days. That's about the right length. You know, do it over a weekend. You can maybe take a couple days off work and negotiate with your significant other. Uh, but four, about four to five days is about right. So go, go, go grocery shopping, get all your food. And that way, you don't need to leave to cook or to, to leave to get your, your meals. That will interrupt your flow quite a bit. Like, there's nothing worse than being like, this is going great, but I'm getting pretty starving. Let me go pull open Yelp and start looking at reviews around me and what's open and what's good and all that. You don't want that. So Airbnb. Uh, so your goal over these four days is what? It's really simple and it's really focused. Write one chapter of your ebook. And by the way, don't write the introductory chapter. Don't write the why this is going to be an awesome ebook chapter. Write the me a meaty chapter, like pick them, something out of the middle. Pick your best stuff chapter. Table of contents. Tell people what you're about to do or what you're going to do, what the eventual book will look like. And uh, you need to have a way to get paid. You need a sales page. Now, developers, I'm very sorry, but you're not going to be building the sales page manually. There's going to be no HTML or code. If you are coding a credit card form on this thing, you've messed up. That's a side quest. Don't do it. Instead, use this. Use LeanPub. Anybody use LeanPub? Nope. Oh, we have one. Yeah. So LeanPub is great. So LeanPub is, as you can see in there, uh, nicely done H1. You can write, publish, and sell in progress and completed ebooks. So they're built around this idea that you want to pre-sell your thing. You want to start selling right away. That's going to get you excited. It's going to get you validation. This is what I want for you. So don't mess around. Just, just use LeanPub. It's great. It's even uh, like you can push updates to it really easily so that those get sent out to the people that have bought it already. Highly recommended. So I want to share another bit of that survey, which is a really common phrase that showed up I asked a free-form question, which was, what are you hoping to get out of the talks at MicroConf? And a lot of people said, inspiration or motivation. And that's a reasonable answer, but I noticed something really interesting, which is that the people that said they wanted inspiration or motivation hadn't started. It didn't come from almost anyone that had already gotten going. And I think this, this exposes a really interesting paradox, which is that a lot of people, and it's natural to assume, that you get started, or sorry, you feel inspired and motivated, you get started, 
and then you have success. I think the reality is you get started, you have success, you feel inspired. That's why I'm focusing so much around that first email. I don't want you to wait for inspiration. I know it's scary. I know you have a little analysis paralysis. I know you're not sure if it's going to work. I know it feels intimidating. But you're not, don't wait until you're in the perfect mindset and then get to work. There was once this author who was well-known and prolific, and they asked, uh, someone asked him, do you write on a schedule or only when you're inspired? And he says, I only write when I'm inspired. Fortunately, inspiration strikes every morning at 9 a.m. sharp. That's you, okay? By the way, this is the best book ever written on the subject. It's amazing. It's about what happens in your mind and your brain when you get close to doing the thing you know you should be doing. All right, I've been talking for a little bit. Let's get weird. Let's do another, another, another weird thing. I'm kind of obsessed with weird things. I'm going to count in rhythm, and then I'm going to ask you to count in rhythm too. And it sounds like this. One, one, two, one, one, two, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. Got it? Try it. Ready? And one, one, two, one. One, two, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. I need more participation than that. <laughs> I'll go, I'll slow down a little bit. Here we go. One, one, two, one. One, two, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. Excellent. Uh, now, I'm going to give you a slight challenge. When we get to five, don't say five, clap instead. So one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. Everybody ready? Ready. And one, one, two, one. One, two, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. Well done. Excellent. Excellent. All right. I have a harder one, but I don't think you're ready for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you haven't earned it. If you come to my uh, workshop, I'll show it to you. All right, part two. These are my greatest hits. All right, it's taken me years to come up with this, uh, to, to learn the knowledge uh, that's on this list. I'm going to share it with you now. This is for the people that have started. This is um, a lot of a grab bag of tactics because I don't know where your business is at. If you haven't started, I have a pretty good idea of where you are and what might hold you back. But once you get going, people head off in a lot of different directions. And so I'm going to give you a little smorgasbord. And you can pick and choose and say, oh, that's, I'm going to steal that, I'm going to steal that. Please steal these ideas. Number one, create a recurring reminder to run a pricing test. Okay, um, Jordan just told us that he tripled his prices and threw up an impediment to signups and nothing changed, right? In fact, it probably even got better because now suddenly everyone's like, whoa, this product is seriously legit. This happens all the time. And you need to be running these experiments often. And that's why I asked him about when his next one was, is because I think this is a thing that you should get on a cadence. I would throw it on your calendar. Chances are, if you've launched, you set your pricing at launch, you probably haven't looked at it since. But I can tell you, I have not found a better lever than this. Nothing I have done has been quite as effective as changes to pricing. Nothing. Okay? There have been times where it's like, the best thing I did in the last year was that one pricing test we ran. And so, since I know you might procrastinate on this, I'm going to give you your first test. I want you to hide the cheapest tier you've got. If you have a single price point, I want you to try doubling it. And I know that feels like totally insane, like, double? Are you crazy? There's no way that would work. Except that Jordan tripled it and it worked. And I've done this too recently. So I ran this test not too long ago. 
So I ran a product, and I noticed someone had signed up, and their email address was at uber.com. Like, the Uber. And Uber, as of recently, is, is burning $3 billion a year, losing $3 billion, which is $95 a second, which means they've lost about $2,000 since I started telling you this story. Okay? And I looked at what plan they were on, and I was charging them $29 a month. And I was like, this offends me morally at the deepest level. And so I didn't change their plan, but I went and I just hid that lowest tier from our pricing site. So that now that our cheapest plan was $59 a month. Here are our new trials over time during that period. Um, can you tell when I changed the price? No, you can't because nothing changed. New trials stayed the same. How? I, they just did. Maybe we seem like more of a premium product, so we're appealing to a higher end of the market. It just kept working. Eventually, trials dipped a little bit, but our like, uh, conversion from trial to paid went way up. Our average revenue per user, of course, went way up. It was just like, and by the way, it took me 30 minutes to just like comment out the, or delete the HTML that had that like lowest pricing grid and push it to production. I didn't like change anything on the back end. It was like, this, like the ROI on this is just like ridiculous. I haven't found anything that's quite as good. So if you ignore all the other tips, please do that one. And I'm running a workshop on this, by the way, so if you want to talk more and want to raise your prices while you're still at MicroConf, which I will help you do, uh, let me know. This, by the way, is like my goal in life right now. It used to be I measured my success by the number of people I converted to Vim. Now I'm measuring my success by the number of people I convinced to raise their prices. All right, number two, create an email course. Uh, this has printed money for us. So I run an uh, education site, and a lot of people that sign up for it are hoping to get a better job on, in Ruby on Rails. They either want their first one, or they want to improve the one they have. And so I wrote an email course called Land Your Dream Rails Job, a free five-day crash course. Uh, and, we, uh, and we drip it out over uh, using Drip, and people sign up for it. And it's a good, uh, we, I put a lot of work into this, by the way. Like, this is, this is a solid course. This was not something I dashed off. It took a while, and I got a lot of feedback from people in the company, uh, and so it took some work. But once it was up, it started converting about 10% of the people that went into it. 10% is kind of ridiculous. Like, people are probably crushing that. Brennan probably is laughing at me right now. But 10%, like, that's an amazing channel. Like, you don't need a lot of those to make an awesome business, I think. And so this thing was just nuts for us. And it runs totally uh, autonomously, automatically. It's like marketing automation is a thing, and you should use it. Uh, somebody, Jordan talked about flywheels. Like, this, this, this for us, I think of flywheels as things like start, keep spinning faster. But this, at least for us, was just like free money. It's like two weeks of setup, and then just now it just goes. Number three, uh, integrate and partner. This, I sort of slept on this one for a while. I didn't, I didn't think about this so much. And I saw other successful software people doing this, and I was like, oh, I don't get it. I'm not really into it. I don't understand why they're doing it. Turns out this is like an awesome uh, lever you can pull. So two quick stories on this one. One is I have a product that uh, is for uh, taking data. doesn't matter what it's for. Never mind. We integrated with Zapier. It was useful to take our data and let people pipe it out through Zapier into other apps. And so we integrate with Zapier, and Zapier writes a blog post about us. And they say, this is a project called FormKeep. They're like, a FormKeep review. And they post it on the Zapier blog, which has ridiculous domain authority. And so we get new customers all the time that go see that blog post. Uh, Zapier says nice things about us, and they come sign up for us. It's just like another free, effectively, a free channel that's going to continually throw customers at us all the time. And it's a win-win for us. Like, Zapier wins and we win. This is an easy thing to, to pitch to people. Uh, another example, uh, with that learning pro uh, the 
education product that I was telling you about. I went to a like, supposed competitor. He also ran a Ruby education site. And I said, look, man, our audiences are probably different enough. We have different enough customer bases that we should do a deal together. We should take a year of our stuff and a year of your stuff, and we should knock like 30 or 40% off of it, and then we should sell it to people, and we'll cross-market it. And we made $100,000 in like four days. Yeah. And those are annual plans. Like when those things renew, they're going to, re and that we gave them a discount. Those things renew at the full annual price. So a year from now, who knows, we might make another 150,000. We won't keep all of them, of course. But like those people are going to renew on annual plans. And a bunch of those things were teens, which at least for uh, my business has like way higher LTV. So this has been huge for us. Uh, speaking of annual plans, you should have one. You should have some. Uh, you, should probably, uh, you should consider having it, uh, uh, talking about it in a few places. One is on your uh, checkout page, your pricing page. This is a great pricing test to run, by the way. Like, what if we default to annual plans? A bunch of people will, pick, will take you up on that, and they'll just give you a bunch of cash up front. You need to give them a discount. Like, will you, very common, like 10 month, or 12 months for the price of 10. But like, all that cash up front is wonderful. Uh, another couple of great places to, to try this is, uh, I'm currently, I have an app where we send an email on day 86 and say, hey, looks like you've been having some success with the product. That's great. Glad to have you with us. Are you interested in switching to annual billing? It's good because it makes your um, accounting stuff easier, fewer receipts to deal with, and plus you can save some money. And by the way, uh, we're going to be billing you in four days on your 90th day anniversary. So if you want to do this, just let me know soon, and I can switch you before we bill you next. And then I follow up two days later, like, hey, just so you know, two days later, and we're going to bill you again. And this works pretty well. Also, a great time to send an email. Oh, there's, a, uh, there's an email that prints money, which is at the end of the year, right around like early December, you send an e annual offer to like everybody that's on a monthly plan and say, hey, if you have a bunch of money left in the budget that you need to spend, we'll take it. Uh, if you want to simplify your billing, by, like this, this happens. Uh, if you wanted to like, show a loss by spending a bunch of money all of a sudden, uh, we can help you with that. Uh, that's one of those things where it like, takes 45 minutes to like, get this email out, and then just like money, 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 if you like money. You know, email like this. Number five, put faces near things you want clicked. So why wouldn't you take advantage of the fact that humans have evolved for millions of years to be interested in faces? Like, all of you are looking at my face, presumably. Like, we look at faces. We're into them. We're wired for it. We kind of can't help it. And so put your face near things you want clicked. Here's an example. Uh, my face is midway between the play button, which I'm happy if they click, and the subscribe now button, which I'm happy if they click. <laughs> so it's like your eye is like right between these two things, like both of which are good for me. Here's another example. This is from the Drip uh, homepage. This pops up uh, on like, the corner. Look at that smiling face right next to the thing they want you to look at. I would bet you $1,000 if you did an A-B test and replaced that face with something like a screenshot of the Drip interface or the blue logo Drip thing, that this, you would tank conversions. I'd happily put $1,000 on that A-B test. Faces are good. Uh, number six, try a diving save. So on the educational site that I run, uh, people often but we, we track cancellation reasons, and the most common one for us is that people don't have time. Really super common. Like they, they sign up aspirationally, they thought they were going to be doing it a lot, and like, yeah, it turns out I don't, I don't quite have time. And so about a day after they cancel, we send them an email and sa that says, hey, uh, saw you canceled, no big deal, totally happens. Thought I'd mention that a lot of people tell us that when they cancel, it's because they don't have quite enough time. And so I was thinking, what if we switched you to an annual plan at a big discount? That way you've got plenty of time to make use of the product and get value from it, but you're still saving a bunch of money. And a fair percentage of people take us up on this. It's probably 5% or so. And I'll tell you, it is the best feeling in the world to take someone that just churned and is now worth zero 
and go into Stripe and switch them to an annual plan and charge them $150. Like, that is the best. <laughs> At least for me, but I don't know. Number seven, to start a podcast. Podcasts uh, are actually very, pretty low on time requirements because you can outsource the parts that are time consuming and that suck. So you can use something like Podcast Motor uh, to handle the editing and the note creation and the posting of it. And you can kind of get your process to the point where you just show up more or less, record for an hour or so, and then ship off the recording and you're done. Is that accurate for uh, like uh, Bootstrap Web, Jordan? You guys use them, right? Podcast Motor, yeah. And it, and it does the trick, yeah. You basically just show up, talk on the mic, and you're done. Yeah, Jordan confirms, Mike probably confirms. Do you guys say similar thing? Yeah, it's not a huge time requirement. And podcasts are great in terms of like a return on investment. Here's a great thing. So say you're a company, you're trying to build a little bit of influence, you're trying to look cool in your industry and impress people. Uh, people tend to say yes to podcast interview requests because just like you, it's, it's easy to do it. You show up and you record and you're out. There's no prep. And so you can often get big names in your industry to come on your podcast. And then you can often get them to tweet about your podcast. And like there's a link to your company's website. Like it's a really good lead gen. This has worked really well. I, do, I host a weekly podcast called uh, Giant Robots, smashing into other giant robots. Uh, and we get a lot of people signing up for uh, ThoughtBots products that say they found us through the podcast. Number eight, manually onboard customers. I love this one. If you're working on a new product, or if you've never done this before, which you probably haven't, I highly recommend uh, watching someone sign up for your product live. Like hop on a call with them, have them share their screen to you, and say, could you please sign up? And just talk out loud as you're doing this. It'll blow your mind. If you've never done it, you will cry. Because you think your product is very clear. And you think all the screens make sense and the, the text on the buttons make sense. And it's not. You're going to find out that it's, it's not. It's confusing people. And you will pull, pull your hair out because you'll watch like, someone like, I'm not sure where I go to change the title. And you're like on the edit title page and there's the box and there's the thing that says change title. Like people, it's amazing how little people will read. And so like, this, is just, this is something that's worth doing, I think, periodically. It's especially, especially worth doing in the beginning. Um, I, I launched a product one time where we had an email box on the, um, pay, the landing page that said, like, enter your email here, and one of the founders will contact you to get you onboarded. And people would fill it out into their email, and we would respond really quickly. I'd do a little research on them and say, like, who are they? And I would write them an email that was obviously not automated, and be like, hey, that's cool that you're working on XYZ. Uh, I'd love to schedule a thing to get you onboarded. How about this time or this time? Here's my Calendly. And it blew people's minds. They're like, I didn't realize someone was actually going to respond to me, like, actually right away and have me do it. But they would say yes. And so it was like our conversion rate of people that entered their email to becoming new customers was like ridiculous. It was like 80%. And we learned a ton in the process. This is a great way to, to, check, to test pricing, by the way. Like, uh, fiddle with your pricing page and then manually onboard somebody and say, how do those prices look to you? Does it make sense? Number nine, home stretch. I got two more. Double down on things that work. I love this advice. I stole this from Heaton, Heaton Shaw. Um, here's a quick example. So a lot of people think they need to keep finding new tactics and, try, and sort of spreading out. And they get a little attracted to the, the new shiny, like Jordan's diamond. Like, that's very common and natural, I think. But you can often get really good results by just throwing more effort into the one th the thing that's already working for you. Here's an example of that. A friend of mine, Christopher Gimmer, runs a service called Snappa. And Snappa is for making images for social media. Like if you have a tweet and you want to add a nice little image beneath it with maybe like a pull quote and like a, a nice background and some colors, uh, but you're not a designer, you're a marketer. So you don't want to use Photoshop, so you use, his, you use Snappa, which is like this nice in-browser tool that's very simple. And he was doing, they, they acquire most of their customers through content marketing. And their best performing blog post he saw was a post about um, free stock photo sites, like the, best, the 30 best free stock photo sites. And so that was working well for him. It was driving a lot of traffic to the site, and a decent percentage of those people that came eventually became Snappa customers. And so he said, what if I doubled down on that? 
And so they said, he said, this blog post is effectively sending people away from us. What if we kept them with us? And so he built a free stock photo site and threw it at the top of the blog post and said, number one, the best free stock photo site is this one. It's not under the Snappa domain, it's a separate name, but like he took this traffic and basically funneled it over into their own property, which is optimized to eventually turn those people into Snappa customers. So it's lead gen for the business. I love that. He found a thing, it was kind of working, doubled down on it. And my last piece of advice is ask for help. Something I've learned as I have done this more and more and met more people is that the more successful someone is, the more likely it is that they're actually really friendly and really willing to help people. I'm not quite sure why it is. Maybe it's correlation, maybe it's causation, but this just keeps being true. People that intimidate me because they're internet famous are like the nicest people when you get to know them. And so, and they're almost always willing to help. And I think it's because they, they've fought that fought and they know what it's like to be struggling. They know what it's like to be in the beginning phases and they're always willing to help. I'm willing to help you. That's my Twitter, that's my email. You can contact me whenever, whenever. Like I'm, I respond probably fastest on Twitter, which is sad, maybe. Um, but, so tweet at me, email me. I'm always happy to help you. But other people are too. If you meet someone or you, you see a speaker here that's like, oh man, they're doing a, bit, like a thing that's just like what I want to do, contact them, ask them questions. You'll be probably kind of shocked at how nice and how friendly they are. So that's my advice for you. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Ben. This was one of the most popular talks of that year. And there's a reason that it made it into our Building Your First SaaS Company playlist. Go check that out on YouTube if you haven't already. It's wildly popular and we're getting really positive reviews on that. So for now, would love a review on iTunes if you haven't reviewed MicroConf on air. You know, this is a podcast we launched just a few months back and it's uh, you know starting to pick up traction and, and get more subscribers. So really appreciate a five star if you have the time. And I'll see you back here on the same feed, same time next week. <laughs>